Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the January 8, 2023 session, focusing on Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. Heroes, I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm Burt Montgomery. Well, it's great to be back with you, and thanks for carrying on so well while I was gone. I should be gone more often. No. <laughs> Please no. <don't. laughs> as, as, as the one who had to sit in your chair, we're, we're going to need you to stay put for a while. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to go anywhere. <laughs> well, you know, I come back and it's a, it's a doggone new year. It's 2023, which is right? crazy. I thought we were supposed to have flying cars by now. <laughs> That's what the Jetson said. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't want to talk about New Year's resolutions because we all know we don't do those. So <laughs> I am wondering, though, I mean, we all come into a new year, I think, and look ahead in some way or another. So very generally speaking, I'm wondering, have you got anything on your I need to do more or less of this list for 2023 personally? Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> so I have I have two things on my list. Both of them I hope I can accomplish. I'm setting the bar low. One is I want to walk more. Um, I, I just need to be walking more. I need to be more active. So walking, I think, is a, a low intensity activity I can that I can successfully do. The other is I, I have and I've already started this. I, I'm intentionally trying to reduce the amount of plastic I use mm. and find ways to get things to buy things in packaging that, you know, isn't going to add to the whole plastic burden of the planet. Just my little bit to try to help. Well, walking is on my list. Um, so every time I try to do that, something comes up like, you know, COVID. Um, <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a little small routine back into it. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to pick that up in, in the spring. Three for three for walking. Yeah, it was definitely on my list. Yeah, I've um, I also had COVID and it's been difficult to I've gotten pretty sedentary since then. And so looking forward to moving a little bit more. But also, um, I really enjoy doing um, needlework and embroidery. It's a really good way for my creative to help my creative part of my brain work. And so um, I'm wanting to, and I've already kind of started this in the last few months, but to do more of that embroidery work, um, just because it's really good for um, helping the creativity in my mind to to get going. So more of that. I'll say for me here in the first part of 2023, I've, I've got some more travel planned and um, the last couple of years, I just have not really not gone much of anywhere. Uh, and so I, I hope I'm able to do so safely. Uh, but looking forward to doing some, it's, it's some professional travel, but it's, but it will be good. So looking forward to that. Good. It's good to get out again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, whatever your uh, your items are on your to-do list, uh, I hope you're planning for a good 2023. Uh, and I think we all try to find some way to improve ourselves and uh, make a difference in the world as each new year begins. Maybe this text is also a bit of a challenge to do better. Bert, would you help us get started with it? Sure. 
I'd like for you to begin thinking about who are some of your favorite fictional heroes. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to like my heroes to be more ordinary, average, real-world kind of people, you know, like Ren McCormick. Yes, that Ren McCormick from 1980s movie Footloose. Hey, I'm talking Kevin Bacon standing up to John Lithgow. Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. 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 Say it now. Ren McCormick is a high school kid from Chicago who moves in with, who moves with his mom to a small rural town and immediately starts getting into trouble with the town leaders, especially the local preacher, who seems to hold the town hostage with his controlling self-righteousness and his repressed sense of morality. Now, Ren does have several faults, but the one that really scares the town the most is he likes to dance. And now, all the kids in town want to dance. Now, as we all know, young Ren McCormack and his friends, which of course includes the preacher's daughter, Ariel, they eventually went out and the school has a big dance. But Ren and his friends do not burn the town to the ground and destroy their enemies in order to win. Instead, they make sure that at the end of it, everybody is included. Even John Lithgow's Reverend Sean Moore loosens up a bit, and even he is included in the town's redemption. Now, Footloose has one of the best soundtracks of the 1980s. You've got the title song by Kenny Loggins, of course. Denise Williams, Let's Hear It for the Boy. And then Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. She sings, I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the morning light. He's got to be sure, and it's got to be soon, and he's got to be larger than life. I think holding out for a hero kind of fits where we are with today's text, because essentially today's passage from Isaiah speaks to a people who are holding out for a hero, hoping he'll come soon and praying he'll be larger than life. Isaiah 42 is part of what scholars categorize as second Isaiah. You may also hear it called Deutero-Isaiah, which sounds a lot fancier because it comes from the Greek, but it means the same thing. It's from the period of Babylonian exile. Jerusalem and the kingdom of Israel had been conquered by Babylon. The temple was destroyed. The riches were seized. The cultural life, the entire way of life that God's people had known for centuries, political, economic, social, and above all, religious, all of that was completely wiped out. People were chained up and marched out and into Babylon. The Israelite relationship with God was one that was tied to the temple. It was tied to Jerusalem. Now those things are in ruins, and they're nowhere to be found themselves. They're in a strange and foreign land, and Israel felt then that God had completely abandoned them and left them to the will of their enemies. That's the setting of this text. And in that setting, a prophet speaks a word of God to the, God's people. He reminds them that God is still the God of all creation. And that means Israel, and it means Babylon too. It means everything and everybody on the whole earth, even the land itself. The coastlands wait on God. And God will bring justice to 
all of it, not just to select few, not just the Israelites, but to all people, to all nations, to the whole world. God has not forsaken them. God has not forgotten them. God is still at work restoring them and redeeming God's creation. And the prophet declares a servant will come and lead all this into being. It's not going to be a crusader, not a conqueror, not a mighty king, but a servant, a suffering servant. This hero will be compassionate, showing tender care to even the most hurting, the most vulnerable, those who are weakest in strength, those who have lost all hope, all purpose, whose lives have been completely snuffed out, the bruised reeds, the barely burning wick. And again, rather than being only for a select few, such restoration and redemption and compassion and hope welcomes everyone, includes everyone, and even the Babylonians and the people of all other nations. The prophet of Second Isaiah points to the Persian monarch in later texts of this period of Second Isaiah, points to Persian monarch Cyrus and names Cyrus as this hero. The Messiah, the anointed one doing God's work who will deliver God's people. And indeed, Cyrus was successful against the Babylonian Empire, and he did eventually assist the Judean people in returning to Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. Now, if Christians, of course, reread Jesus back into this text, and indeed, all the characteristics of this promised hero, this Messiah, Messiah, by the way, means an anointed one, one doing God's mission, all the characteristics of the suffering servant as opposed to a conquering ruler, they all apply to Jesus. But let's, let's work with this for a moment. There's an old song that says, we're the only Jesus that some people will ever see. Indeed, as Christians, we believe that the Spirit of Christ lives in us and through us, do we not? Doesn't the name Christian we read about in the book of Acts, doesn't it come because the early believers in Antioch were considered little Christs because their lives reflected the way of the Christ they proclaimed? So what does this text say about us? Are we not also called, as ordinary average people that we are, called to be such heroes in this world? Are we not called to carry out justice for all creation? David, you were talking about lessening your de uh, dependency on plastic. Carrying out justice for all creation, for all nations? Boy, what a time in our history to be talking about justice for all nations. To show compassion to the hurting, to give care and hope to the ones who were written off as lost and worthless, just as Jesus did. The world is always looking for heroes, and we want them larger than life, and we need them to come soon. But friends, inasmuch as we are joining in the redemptive, inclusive, healing, restorative mission of God in this world, no matter how small our little corner of the world might be, well, if I may paraphrase David Bowie, we can be heroes. Bert, thank you for that. Um... I love that you took a hero take on this uh, in my house. My children are huge Marvel fans. We talk about superheroes all the time around here. 
Um, and of course, those kinds of things stimulate the imagination. But mostly we talk about what do we want our superpower to be, right? But this that you are pointing us to is really empowering um, to think about being a hero in the space where we are. And it clicked for me when you kind of referenced what David said about the plastic, that there are ways to be a hero that we have access to. We have the ability to care for others and be in the world in a way that really does make a difference in the lives of others. And that really is what being a hero, I think, is all about. I love, I love what you did with this text. Let me let me give credit where credit is due. I was <laughs> I was inspired by an African American scholar and Reverend um, Jeanette Wilson, okay. Jeanette Wilson, who who uses this text during February as a part of African American History Month, mm-hmm. and says you know and and in terms of the American African American tradition, people will obviously list Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Or Rosa Parks. And she says, this is right. And this fits the suffering servant. This fits the mission of God in this world that that's for all people. And she notes, you know, Rosa Parks didn't just sit on the bus uh, just for her in Montgomery. I mean, she did, but it resonated to the whole nation and to the whole world what she did. Right. That's the mission. Mm -hmm. But then she says, how about the teacher? who's in an inner city school, and when everybody else wants to kick out the troubled child, she refuses to give up on that troubled child. That's the the wick that's barely burning or the, or the, the bruised mm-hmm. reed that people are riding off. So she begins to list ordinary, everyday ways that all of us are, are heroes in where we are. We are a part of the mission of God in this world. And it's not one of conquering, it's not one of domineering, it's not one of military might, it's simply through service and sacrifice. Mm. So Jeanette Wilson, there you go. But thank you. My heroes have always been cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) And and they still are, it seems. (laughs) They still are, it seems. (laughs) You know, as you were... Um, the other thing that I thought of as you were offering the introduction, you talked about how what is offered here is for everyone, that God has come to redeem the whole world, every nation, all of creation, um, even Babylon is a part of that. And while you were speaking, I thought we talk about this a lot on Faith Element. Like this is a common theme um, that comes up for all of us is the inclusive nature of God's love for all of creation. And then I got to thinking about how, unfortunately, the loudest voices of Christianity in the United States right now tend to proclaim a Christianity that is exclusive, that is keeping people out. And it's more about who's in and let's make sure the people who are in are in and the people who need to be out are out. And based on where you are, who those people who are supposed to be out, it can change. But I think that if we take time to think about Christianity to be Christians, our active role is to be people of service to one another 
and to all people, that that gives us something to hang on to, that gives us something to do. And I wonder if that can be an anecdote to this version of Christianity that is so exclusive. Can practicing service, practicing um, being a servant to others be the thing that helps cure and and I, cure is I think the right word because I think it's a disease that what we do with Christianity too often in popular Christianity a cure to the the need to be exclusive. Hmm. Thank you for saying that, Nikki. Because I was I was thinking of something along those lines that the uh, the popular version of Christianity is is that of you know turns Jesus into this strong man you know, versus true hero. And there seems to me, to me at least, what makes for a hero is is the strength, the courage, not in a loud and boisterous fashion, but but someone who acts those ways on behalf of others and in service to others, especially those who, you know, Jesus elsewhere calls least of these, or those who are, who can't do anything for us. Uh, and and the the toxicity of current uh, manifestations of of Christianity that we see that are loud and boisterous and dare I say vulgar and misogynistic, I, I do not believe are of Christ, but um, and and should not be part of the hero worship, the adulation that such folks demand. I can't help but but think about power in our conversation today and in this text. Power tends to be all over the place when we start talking about how we function as a society, the work of the church, faith. And even in this passage, you know, thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it. I mean, all this is power language, right? This is a God who can make things happen. And so in my work, I get to travel around and preach at a fair number of churches across the year. And one of the things I have noticed uh, in the last year or two is the way when I, if I bump up against in a sermon, the notion that we so often feel powerless against the things that we see in our communities and in our world and our culture that I, I notice people waking up or they'll say something to me on the way out about, I feel powerless all the time. I feel like I can't make a difference. And, and I hear this passage and I read this text and I think God is telling us that through God, we, we do have power to make a difference and that it's not the power of the sword or the power of the fist or of the shove. It is, it is the kind of power that we see Jesus exhibit throughout Jesus's ministry. And just as you've been describing it here, the, this notion that we use our power for the good of others. So I I hope that as we start this year and certainly reading this passage, we realize that we can be heroes. We do have a superpower and, and that it comes from God and this, this ability to see need and to do something about it, even if it's just a little something. Yeah, listening to everything y'all are saying reminds me of, um, you know, like like y'all were talking about how 
we make Christianity about what we say and what we proclaim and we use the tools of power yeah. um, and, and the force and the mm-hmm. weapons of power to exclude others and to protect things. And we've made Christianity something of, are you a Christian? How do you reply? Yes or no? I, yes, I'm a Christian, right? That proclamation. And that seems to be enough. Well, there's a story of, a, um, I believe it's an Amish man. Someone asked an Amish man, I'm, and forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. Somebody asked an Amish man, are you a Christian? And he said, you'll have to ask my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Go, go ask them, because it's not whether I, what I say. I mean, it, that, that's powerful. You know, it's how we're treating somebody else, not ourselves not what we're saying. Mm. What that makes me think about is, you know, a couple of weeks ago we celebrated Christmas and one of my favorite characters of the Christmas story is, is Joseph. Joseph doesn't have a single line in the entire Christmas pageant, but he consistently does the right thing. And I can't help but think about him, you know, the when when presented with alternate choices, he consistently chooses the right one and he doesn't have to say a word. Which is fascinating to me as someone who makes a living by his voice. Uh, I'll admit that's just fascinating to me. Uh I'm I'm one of those noisy Christians. I, I you know, that we're we're warning against. But that's not that's not how it has to be. Maybe not how it it ought to be. So anyway. I do think Joseph is probably the most underrated Christmas character. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, dude didn't have to stay. He just didn't. And it would have been his life probably would have been a whole lot easier if he hadn't. Joseph was a hero. Not to dwell on this too long, but, you know, we I often say Mary had every right to run right out of the room the minute the angel visits her. Joseph did too. Yeah, he did. He did. Well, he did try. Well, well, that's true. <laughs> but he stayed. He did. One of the things that has helped to ground me across the years in terms of perspective is to always be thinking about the children that they are watching what we do. They are watching what we say, but especially what we do. And I think that part of the power of children being part of a congregation, of a community of faith, is if that can be a place where they see people trying to figure out faith, trying to find a way to make a difference in that place, showing kindness to one another, showing grace to one another. Kids are watching, and they're learning. And that is a power I think we underestimate, because these are young people that are going to grow up and be the future of the church. And I know that a lot of us are currently worried about the lack of young people often in our congregations. And I think that's a legitimate fear. And we have to be looking in the mirror and asking ourselves, what is it that we're not providing, offering, including, showing, doing as congregations 
What, where are we not connecting? And it may be that we just need to listen a bit more and find out how we can do better. And I have a feeling, <laughs> most young people I know will tell you, <laughs> and we need to hear because they are going to be key to the next generation. And it's all ultimately, I think, about what we read in this psalm. It is about the power of God's goodness, the power of servant leadership that we all can share, that we all can model, and that does change the world. Think of the kids. Think of the children. As we think about what the church needs to be in this year, what we as leaders need to be and as communities need to be in 2023, because I am sure that God is still quite relevant to people of all ages. May God help us find wisdom and open ears and hearts as we seek to follow the energy and the power of this passage. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Subscribe to the Faith Element Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible Study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.